You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. himself is revealed to us through his word. God is revealed to us through his word. Many, many scriptures attest to that. We know, for uh, for instance, that the word of the Lord is powerful. Hebrews 4 verse 12, the word of the Lord is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Today, Pastor Dave will remind you that God can speak to you, but God loves to reveal himself to you through the words of the Bible. The Bible is God's biography and instructions to the world. In it, you can find all sorts of information about each part of the Trinity. Take time to read your Bible and to get to know the Lord. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 4 as he begins his message, The Glory of God Departs. So if you will turn into your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 4, we are in 1 Samuel chapter 4, working our way through this uh, really interesting book of 1 Samuel, and I want to read through the 22 verses, and then go back and we'll study them as is our custom. 1 Samuel chapter 4. Verse 1, And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh, that they might bring from there the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. And when the Ark of Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly the earth shook. Now when the Philistines heard the noise about of the shout, they said, what does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the Ark of the Lord had come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us! Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians and all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated. And every man fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter, and there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers." 
Also, the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Then a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line the same day and came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. Now when he came, there was Eli sitting on a seat by the wayside watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, What does the sound of this tumult mean? And the man came quickly and told Eli. Eli was 98 years old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. Then the man said to Eli, I am he who came from the battle, and I fled today from the battle line. And he said, What happened to my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a great slaughter among the people. Also, your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. Then it happened when he made mention of the ark of God that Eli fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died. For the man was old and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. Now his daughter-in-law, Phineas' wife, Phineas's wife, was with child, due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth, for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the woman who stood by her said to her, Do not fear, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard it. Then she named his child Ichabod saying, The glory has departed from Israel, because the ark of God had been captured, and because her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. Interesting chapter. Interesting indeed. Remember in chapter 3, Samuel was established as a prophet before all of Israel, specifically verse 20. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. So Samuel was established as a prophet by God himself. And in verse 21, we see that the Lord once again reveals himself by his word. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Remember, the Lord is now speaking once again to Israel. Go all the way back to verse 1 of chapter 3, and you see that now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. God had not spoken to the nation Israel because of their disobedience and because of their failure to obey the commandments and follow God. God had chosen not to speak with them during the time of Judges. It had been a long time been a long time since God had spoken to them. But here, we see that it's now reversed, and God is again speaking to his children through the prophet Samuel. What does this tell us? It tells me that the Lord himself is revealed to us through his word. God is revealed to us through his word. Many, many scriptures attest to that. We know, for, uh, for instance, that the word of the Lord is powerful. Hebrews 4, verse 12, the word of the Lord is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no hidden creature from his sight, but all things are naked and open to his eyes to whom we must give an account. God's word is powerful. 
the great psalm, the longest psalm, the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119, speaks specifically about the Word of God. Every single stanza has something to do with the Word of God. And I went back and I started looking at it. And as we go through it, just for example, verse 2, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with a whole heart. Verse 11, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin. Verse 17, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Your testimonies, verse 24, are also my delight and my counsel. Verse 25, my soul clings to the dust, to the dust. Revive me according to your word. Teach me the way of your statutes. Teach me the way of your word. Let your mercies come on to me, your salvation, according to your word. You get the picture? It goes on and on and talks about the word of God. This is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. I said that I would keep your words. I entreated your favor with my whole heart. And it goes on and on and on. My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. Verse 81. Verse 89, Lord, O God, forever, your word is settled in heaven. Verse 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. God's word is powerful. God's word is awesome. God's word is inspired. We read in 2 Timothy. We read in 2 Timothy, as Paul writes to his beloved son in the faith, Timothy, he writes these words. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which were able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And here's the kicker, 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So God's Word is inspired. God's Word does these things in our heart. And every time we come before God, we should want these things to happen in our heart. God's works in our lives. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Paul says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom, preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Why? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. We teach the word so that this doesn't happen. We know through Scripture, we know through prophecy that there's going to be a great apostasy, a great falling away. Many, many people believe it's happening today. A great falling away. Why? Because people have itching ears. Even Christians are falling away from the faith because they're following fables. They're following other things instead of the Word of God. The Word of God is strong in our lives. The Word of God increases our faith. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Oh, how we need the Word of God in our lives. How we need to read it and glean from it and learn from it on a daily basis. How it should become part of our lives. How we should spend time in it and time in it and time in it. How it should never depart from our mouths. 
That's what Joshua was told. Will the word of the Lord never depart from your mouth? Meditate it on it day and night. Meditate on it like, like, like the cow chewing his cud. Remember that we gave you that example? That's how we should chew the word of God. Mm-mm-mm. It's good. Chewing that word of God. Not just reading it. That's okay. It's okay to pick up a letter and like read through the book of Timothy. It's okay to read straight through because it was a letter. But then you want to go back and you want to chew on it. You want to read it and decipher it and look at it. And then maybe you might want to get into a study of it and pick out some words and study them through. See, a lot of us as Christians have trouble living the Christian life. Well, two things are happening. We're not submitting to the Holy Spirit and we don't know the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will reveal the Word of God to you. The Holy Spirit will bring you into all truth of Jesus Christ. He will show you these things. If we would, But sit before Him and listen. God's Word is our spiritual food. It's our daily manna that comes down from heaven. And although we can't live without physical food, I don't think the Christian can live without spiritual food. I don't think the Christian can live on a day-to-day basis without the Word of God somewhere in his life. And there's so many things out there, devotionals and all that other kind of things that are out there. And these are all good in and of themselves. But if you're using them instead of the Word of God, you're missing it. You're missing it because most devotionals take a verse and then they explain that verse or they say some things around that. Now, again, these are good. I read a devotional. I read various things. These are good. But when you're reading the Word of God, you take a verse, you have to know what was said before it and you have to know what was said after it so that you can look at it in context and see what it really means. Israel must have been overjoyed to hear from God again. Can you imagine going for a long, long time without hearing from God? When you go for a long time without hearing from God, overcome, you can be starved for God's word. I want to hear from God. But God revealed his word through the prophet Samuel. And it's interesting, and it's very, very curious to me, and maybe to you so, but no sooner does God reveal his word to them than the enemy attacks this does not surprise us. You have mountaintop experiences and you're having a wonderful time sitting before the Lord and he's showing you all kinds of things and he's basically blowing your socks off and your mind is fried. And you're like, this is incredible. This is incredible. And you say to the Lord, Lord, it's good for us to be here. We should never leave here. Let's make tents and we'll all sit here. And Jesus says, no, let's go down from the mountain. And you go down the mountain and all of a sudden, bam, the enemy attacks. Well, if you're not rooted and grounded in the Word of God, you fall for His lies. You fall for the attack every single time. And that's what the Word of God does for us. It strengthens us and it keeps us centered. The center of the Word of God is Jesus. He is the centrality of the book that we read, the book that we cherish. The Old Testament, He is concealed. The New Testament, He is revealed. He is the centrality of everything we read. But you have these wonderful times of refreshment. You have wonderful times of restoration sitting before the Lord. And you're almost like, you know, because the Lord has just blessed you completely. Well, eventually you got to go back to work. You got to go back into the workplace. You got to go back to your homes. You got to go back to here. You got back to there. And the enemy's waiting. Oh, man, here he comes. I'm going to get him. Here we go. The enemy's waiting for you. You need to be aware of that's going to happen. You need to be ready for that. You need to be ready that God is going to do that. Sometimes it happens after the Bible study. Sometimes it happens before the Bible study. 
It's no secret, and I've said this before, and with my wife sitting here, some of our best arguments were before and after church. Woo. Man. So you get so filled, and your enemy's just waiting for you. He's just waiting to pounce on you. And this is what happens. God started to speak. They were overjoyed, and the Philistine says, let's get them. Let's go get them. Let's go get them. We get attacked by the enemy. And I have down here the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. You read the parable of the sower in Luke chapter 8. And he talks about where the word falls. Where the word falls on the thorny thistles, the rocks, the wayside, and the good ground. And he gives those demonstrations of where the word falls. We need to have our hearts prepared to receive the word. We need to have our hearts prepared to receive the word. And this is what the Paul loved about the Thessalonians. Little say that five times. This is what Paul loved about these guys because they received, the scripture says, they received the word of God for what it was, the word of God and not of man. They knew it was the word of God. They received it with gladness and their faith soared. We need to take the pickaxe, we need to take the dynamite, whatever it takes, and blow up the fallow ground of our heart. We need to demolish the fallow ground of our heart and make it pliable for God, make it suitable for planting. We've got to get rid of the fallow ground. So this happens. The word of God starts to come again to Israel through Samuel, and bam, the Philistines attack. Now we read through verses 1 through 10. Now in Israel went to battle against the Philistines. They had camped beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped at Aphek. And it puts themselves in battle array, and they defeated the, Phil- the, the Philistines defeated them. They killed 4,000 people in that one day. And, and they came back. And it's interesting, a couple things about the Philistines, how important and how deadly they were against Israel. They're mentioned some 150 times in the book of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. 150 times, the Philistines, they're like the Achilles heel of the, of the Israelites. They're constantly coming against them. Another very interesting fact that I just found out today, I did not know this, that the word Palestine comes from the form of Philistines. So it hasn't stopped yet. It's still going on. It is still happening. So this battle takes place in the town of Ebenezer. I always thought that was a Christmas character. Anyhow, the town of Ebenezer, which means stone of help. The Philistines kill several thousand men of Israel. They come back and they're greatly perplexed. What happened? Wasn't God supposed to be with us? Aren't we God's chosen nation? Didn't he give us the land to possess? Why were we defeated by these idol-worshiping people? What happened to us? I'm sure you feel that way many times when you're under attack. When you're under attack and you're feeling defeated, wait a minute. Aren't I a child of the Most High God? Doesn't he declare me as a son or a daughter? Hasn't he blessed me with all the blessings and spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus? Then why am I being attacked? What's happening in my life? The elders failed to do one thing. They failed to recall God's law. They failed to recall God's law. If they would have known the terms of the new covenant, not the new covenant, if they'd known the terms of the covenant that God had made with them, they would have realized that their defeat was due to disobedience. Their defeat was due to disobedience. Yes, sin has a price. Sin has a price. The price was so great that Jesus Christ had to die for it on a cross. That's how great a price sin was. But when we sin, even though it's been covered by the blood of Christ, there are still consequences. There are still things that happen in our lives because of our sin. 
But Israel did not obey God's word. When we suffered defeat, we think, well, I prayed for that. Why didn't I get that? How come that didn't happen? Maybe it's because we've disobeyed God's word. Maybe it's because we've sinned and we haven't confessed it. Maybe it's because we, we trampled on God's word. We gave fault witness or something like that. See, the Lord clearly told Israel how to fight against their enemies in Deuteronomy 20. You can look that up. But instead of searching their hearts for sin and confessing their sin, they decided to go get the Ark of Covenant and bring it into battle, just like Moses and Joshua did. But see, they failed to do what Moses and Joshua did. Before Moses and Joshua took the Ark into battle, they prayed. They asked the Lord. They submitted themselves to the Lord and wanted His guidance. What were they doing? They were using the Ark of the Covenant like a lucky charm. Let's get the Ark of the Covenant. That'll take care of them. They were using it like a lucky charm. They were just using God to accomplish their own purposes. They were using God. Many times our prayers are like that. We want God to accomplish our purpose in our life instead of His. We want God to accomplish our purpose. And this is what I want, Lord, and you pray for that. What does James say? Oh, you don't get it because you've asked amiss. You've asked for personal gain. God doesn't answer those prayers. These elders didn't seek God's will. These elders didn't walk by faith. They weren't glorifying God. And to top it off this disgrace, the two wicked priests, Hophni and Phinehas, were the ones that went and got the Ark of the Covenant. So, Let's put this into perspective. Israel is in total sin. They are disobeying God's law left and right. They're not being led by a godly priest. And his wicked sons go and pick up the most holy object of Israel, the Ark of the Covenant, where God comes to sit. Do you realize what the Ark of the Covenant is? Does anybody understand what I'm talking about when I talk about the Ark of the Covenant? Behind the veil in the most holy place? No one has ever seen the Ark of the Covenant except the high priest, and he can only see it once a year. And when he goes in, he had better take care of his own sin, because if not, he gets struck dead. So he goes in, and he makes sacrifice for the nation Israel. And supposedly, the Shekinah glory, the smoke, comes and sits between the cherubim on the Ark, and it's the presence of God. That's how holy this piece of furniture is. There is no more holier piece of furniture in the tabernacle. So they run and they grab the thing. These guys grabbed the thing and there were specific ways that you were supposed to move the ark too. There were specific ways that you were supposed to move the ark, but they grabbed the ark and they take it out to battle. These men whom God had already prepared for judgment and already told Samuel that the judgment was going to come against them. Israel sees the ark coming, and they fall right into the mix. Yay, the ark's here. Woohoo! the ark's here. Woohoo! yay, we're saved now. <laughs> one, car- one commentator called this their, self- their carnal self-confidence. Their confidence. You are assured. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dave Shank today for Assure Hope. This study in 1 Samuel has been taking you further into God's process of fulfilling promises. 
and it may not look like you'd always want it to. God gave a promise to David when he was young and unequipped to handle the magnitude of what was to come. God still gave him a glimpse to the future though, and we walked with David to help him grow and learn. God's plan included trials along with victories, but he was faithful to David throughout. Right now in our country, we are facing a trial never before experienced. Don't fear, God is as faithful to you now as he was to David. He will bring you through, and you can lean on Him for strength and comfort in the waiting. We'd encourage you to read ahead in 1 Samuel and discover for yourself how God works life out, and let Him encourage you through it. How can we be praying for you during this 1 Samuel study and during this unusual time in history? Please give us a call and let us know at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased to be able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of 1 Samuel, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to Assure Hope.